Hi, I'm Shannon. And I'm Alex. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can have top... Wait, how does this... Where you can hear topics discussed. Uh, <laughs> Shannon. That's the place. <laughs> Shannon. Shannon, how do I do this podcast? <laughs> we just talked about this, Jim. And I, you I, just told us. <laughs> well, that Jim is gone. This Jim is here. This Jim is the one who's present. And this Jim has no idea what he's doing. Topic one, how do I do a podcast? <laughs> do you, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? I'd like to plug tying people in board games because that's always sort of weird and fun, especially when you then tie on the tiebreaker, which happened to me recently. It was a multi-level tiebreaker. Everybody wins. Well, no, just the two of us, honestly. But yeah, no, I, I definitely still didn't win. Oh, okay. It was fun though. Was it was it more fun for you because nobody won? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. I think that means you know I came in second instead of third. So oh, sure. Yeah, you can always measure your your happiness by the number you come in. That's right. Uh, and Alex, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Yeah, I just went to this restaurant in Oakland the other day that was really good. It was called Cambodian Street Food, and it had Cambodian Street Food. I don't even remember what I ordered, but it wasn't in English. I bet it was Cambodian Street Food. Yeah, you know, it probably was. It was delicious, whatever it was. So go there, check it out. It's in kind of a weird residential neighborhood, and a converted house was pretty sweet. Oh, man. that maybe I don't know if I should put out this podcast with that information in it, because they might get in trouble. Oh no! I'm pretty sure Oakland has zoning laws that that don't permit that. Uh, a bunch of their neighbors were also businesses, for what it's worth. Oh, they're they're forming an anarchist collective. Yeah, maybe. Possibly. Um, the they're they had beautiful murals covering all the walls. Yeah. And just this nice little outdoor seating area that was kind of just one long row bench, and we ended up talking to basically all the other patrons, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Are we uh, are we ready to start on some topics? Let's do it. It's topic time. <laughs> uh, Shannon, your topic is rebranding a country. Rebranding a country. Yeah, so through many conversations recently, a thing that came up was that a number of countries have changed their names and have done so much more recently than I anticipated. Uh, and notably, right now, the two countries that are in the process of deciding whether to change their name or have recently done it are New Zealand, which is considering changing its name to Aotearoa, oh. which is the native name for the land, which I think is like the long cloud. I, don't quote me on that, but I'm, I think it's something like that. Yes. Yeah, so sovereignty was never ceded. Yeah, yep, that is technically true. They have that interest. They have a very interesting uh, political setup there. Um, and then the other one is Turkey, who is renaming to Turkey. And is that just Turkey with the, the letter A at the end? No, it's it's spelled differently. It has a number of accents in it. Yeah, it it's pronounced differently, Turkey, which is apparently how it would have been pronounced at some point in their history. Like, forgive me if this is something that you're going to get to, but I think, so Turkey doesn't call itself Turkey. It never did. It has its own name for itself, but we in the United States call it Turkey. Like, that's the anglicized version of the name. And presumably every other language also has their own word for it. Yes. So that's, I think, related to the rebranding aspect. Okay, go on. When I say that Turkey is changing its name... What I mean is they are officially changing the spelling of Turkey in all, you know, official documents to include all of the proper pronunciation and accent marks. And they put out multiple videos like on YouTube and through other things that are basically tourism videos encouraging people like it's all the things you would see in a normal tourism video of like the tourists showing up and having a great time and seeing all these beautiful things but all of the tourists from all of the world say hello turkey in the video and it says hashtag hello turkey and so they're doing like a significant rebranding effort to specifically convince foreigners 
to use the right pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that involved an official like name change, apparently, with the, with the uh, spelling and stuff. And so then that just led me down the path of, well, how many countries have changed their names and when and why? And I was just sort of surprised to find that a large portion of them have been, well, a not insignificant portion of them anyway, have been in like past 2000. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I kind of would have thought I would have heard about this if it was during my lifetime, you know, <laughs> I expected a list of funds that changed their names, you know, after World War II or because of other things. But I didn't really expect to see changes happening in, like, my lifetime as much. Right, because you learn about history in high school and then things history stops happening. Exactly. That, yes, exactly. But another example, for example, is Holland was going by both Holland and the Netherlands. Right. But as of January 2020, it is only the Netherlands. They have removed Holland from anything official. Uh, Oh, wow. Yeah. In an effort to try to get people to use the Netherlands because they feel that it is more inclusive. Um, The Republic of Macedonia changed to in February of 2019 to the Republic of North Macedonia because it needed to distinguish itself from Macedonia in Greece in order to get an alliance with NATO, which I thought was interesting. Sure, yeah. In 2018, Swaziland changed to Eswatini. Eswatini is just the translation of Swaziland in the local language, um, and they apparently partially decided to do it because people would confuse them with Switzerland. (laughs) Yeah. Then this one's a little bit older, but not that old. And whenever the Czech Republic changed to Czechia, it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't super long ago, but apparently part of the reason, part of the official decision was related to making it easier for companies and sports teams to use the name Czechia on their products instead (laughs) of having to write the Czech Republic. Nice. Yeah. So the country in this case retains its full name, the Czech Republic, but Czechia is the official short-term geographic name. So similar to France has is apparently the French Republic fully, but nobody calls it that. They call it France. Hmm. So the Czech Republic was like, we also want this. <laughs> Please call us Czechia. Yeah, yeah. And Georgia changed its name to Georgeland because everybody thought the song... Georgia on my mind was about them. Yeah, that that's all true. I don't know. I was just I don't know. I'm just sort of like interested about in the concept of a country changing its name, not because there's been any particular political upheaval or change in borders or anything like that, but simply because they have decided they want to be perceived differently by the rest of the world. Yeah. And that just hadn't occurred to me as something one does. But I feel like now that it, I don't know, it seems like it is becoming more common, given that like, I don't know, five-ish of these examples are in the last, not that long. And uh, there's not very many countries that have, you know, that are still existing that have changed their names that were earlier than that. There are a few. But like, what if everybody just starts doing that? You know, I'm just saying like, what if, what if a bunch of countries just start changing their names or yeah, trying to be more hip and branded? going to be a bonanza like, for globe manufacturers. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I was thinking about, this reminds me of just like, I work at one of those big tech companies and we're always changing our logo and changing the font on our logo and hiring a million designers to redesign the angle at which the letters are. And I'm just like, well, you know, does, North Macedonia need a new flag to go with it with like simplified colors and swooshy loops. Oh yeah, like, this definitely came from the designers. They were like, we need to prove or you still need to employ us. So we're going to do a user study where we can show that 1% of users prefer 51% of users prefer the new flag. Yeah. And so we have to that means we have to change all our flags everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, 1% more NATO members prefer it this way, so that's how we got to get it. Just think that branding a country is an interesting concept and one that, 
like I have to imagine has existed always to some degree, but it exists more in the context of globalization and specifically tourism. Like you want to attract people to your country, so it has to sound good. But I do also like support and appreciate the ones that are trying to change back to let's have people call us what we're actually called, you know, <laughs> or, uh, you know, what we were called before we were colonized or whatever. Those are interesting moves. And I wonder if that won't happen in more places. I have to imagine it's probably easier to get people to call you your your new name than to convince people that you've just been wrong this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's an interesting point that you brought up with Turkey eh, where it's like, well, if I'm if I'm speaking English, I'm probably going to say Turkey because people will know what I'm talking about. They probably weren't saying Turkey over there in, you know, they were probably saying it the correct way the whole time. Right. But they are now trying to get everyone else to say it the correct way. Yeah. And that's always an interesting thing, too, because it's like, well, what is the correct way? Like, you know, is it Nippon or Japan? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, are we the United States of America or Los Estados Unidos? You know, at what point is it appropriate to translate the name into your language yeah versus is it inappropriate to do that yeah well the united states is interesting because it's not just a noun it's also just it's also a phrase with meaning so yeah. it, it totally makes sense to translate the whole phrase into your language yeah like i i always assumed that if you said los estados unidos in mexico you were talking about mexico because it is also los estados unidos de mexico i think oh so yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, so they just have to, like, if you're not sure which one people mean, you just have to wait to see how they finish the sentence. Recently, I was taking some, like, beginner's Spanish learning podcast things, and they, when they got to how do you say that you're from the United States of America, they said that what you should say is, I am from Los Estados Unidos. Okay. And I thought that was, I mean, to be fair, this one was, had a Spain focus, so maybe that's not true. Oh, sure. If yeah. you're learning someone in Mexico, but I, I very much had that same thought of what well what did what did they call Mexico then? Yeah, the, <laughs> they... the United States of Mexico is also in America. Yeah. Yeah, like and then there's other like differences that I found too, like Thailand is not called Thailand in Thailand. It is called Siam. It, apparently it's like a double meaning of that means like land of the free or and also land of the Thai people. Oh, but they but the way it is verbally said is is different. I think it's Prathet Thai is I think it if I'm looking this up correctly. So I think they just decided that it, close enough translation is Thailand, the land of where the Thai people are, I guess. Yeah. It's sort of confusing. It all doesn't make sense to me in general. Like, what makes it official? Under what category? This is what the UN is for. I guess <laughs> this what? and nothing else. Yeah. They they get I to guess. decide the name and there's they have the official database. The alternative is storing it on the blockchain. Hmm. You think about that for a second. Yeah. No, I had to. <laughs> I think America could use some rebranding. Yeah. United States of America. What would you change? Mm, I mean, I think it's a bit of disingenuous at the moment. I would not argue that we're particularly united. <laughs> the United States of Germany. Well, that would be... I don't... I wonder what Germany would have to say about that. They might have, you know, some some rights to that name. They might come up... Actually, that's a good point. If you just rolled up and said, Hey, we're changing our name to Germany. <laughs> like, what is Germany do? Can you do that? If you're the United States, you can. We absolutely would get away with that shit. I mean, yeah. we would, but like, I'm trying to think of what avenue of grounds you would even fight that <laughs> on. You'd go to war. You'd have okay. to send the, send in the troops. Oh, no, I was trying to think of what legal grounds you would. I mean, this isn't your intellectual property. <laughs> yeah, U.S. isn't part of the U.N., so we're not bound by its laws. Fight, fight, fight. Uh, maybe we'd ha maybe we'd have to solve it at the Olympics. Like whoever wins the most golds. Oh, yeah, there you go. If Germany wins, or Germany wins. Yeah. <laughs> Which one wins? Yeah, yeah, and we'd also have to start using their national anthem too. 
Yeah. Mm, yeah. But I could totally see that happening, especially if there was like a, well, okay, arguably, has it already happened? I mean, like. <laughs> okay, we're not, we're not Germany yet. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, like North Korea and South Korea, that's what we call it. Oh. But it's actually like, what, the People's Democratic Republic of Korea the and DPRK. the- DPRK. Yeah, yeah. They, like, they have actual different names, but, like, they could have both just said, nope, we're Korea. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that. that's a choice one could make. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in the latest Olympics, they played the wrong Korea's anthem, too, which is cool. <laughs> wow. Oops. Well, wait on purpose. Shit. Hopefully not. <laughs> there were a lot of interesting things in the last Olympics. Yeah. Oh, man, the, the alphabetical order thing was fascinating. I enjoyed that one. You know oh, yeah. They, when they're like playing in the countries at the Olympics, customarily they do it in alphabetical order, but it was hosted in China. And so it was in the alphabetical order corresponding to like the names in written Chinese. Oh, sure. Not the same, and people were thoroughly confused. They were like, "What? What the hell is cafe?" I I had honestly, it was way more exciting because you didn't know what country was going to come out next. If you yeah, don't, it's, be- like, it's like a roguelike, right? So I was sitting there being like, "Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be?" And they'd be like, "Zimbabwe," and I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> good job, Zimbabwe. You're not at the end." It's good. Yeah, That's very good. Yeah. I do have to wonder if the change to Aotearoa is not a little bit, a little bit bolstered by the fact that it would put them way up at the top. Oh, (laughs) alphabetical order wise. They're just so tired of scrolling in the web form to put your address in. Yeah, they just want to be at the top. Australia gets to be up there. Why can't Aotearoa also be up there? Yeah, they would be on above Australia. That's right. That's all that matters. Are we ready for another topic? Let's do it. Alex, your topic is the single-celled dog. Yeah. So I, I, I stole this topic from a really interesting YouTube video I saw, but I thought it was it was thought-provoking. We're, we're, we're all about provoking thoughts here. So listen, listen, all my topics are from the internet, so it's okay. All right, cool. We're good then. This topic was about, like, what what does it mean to be a particular kind of animal? And in particular, there's this case study of of this particular kind of cancer that you can have, that dogs can have, rather, that is effectively one dog 10 or 20,000 years ago got a particular kind of cancer. And a cancer cell is like a particular kind, a cell in the body goes wild and just starts reproducing like crazy. And this particular cancer is weird because it is transmissible through physical contact. And so you ended up having a cell that is a normal dog cell in the sense of having dog DNA, but it is also a cancer and also physically transmissible, like pretty much any other single-celled organism would be, like a bacterium or something. And so you have a basically a single-celled dog, which is also an entire organism. And I just think that was freaking weird. Yeah, life is life is a strange thing. And notably, this this single-celled dog is from a breed that no longer exists. So it is it is a breed of dog. It's the last of its kind. It is, well, I mean, not really, because there's billions of it, because it still <laughs> exists today in living inside other breeds of dogs. So unfortunately, you can't have this breed if you really want it, unless you have also another breed. Uh, because it does come as a parasitic pair. Uh, you don't want two dogs, so you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. if you want an only dog and you want CTVT or whatever, I mean, if you want the dog bead canine transmissible venereal tumor, more power to you, but you are going to have to get another playmate for it because it does not do well on its own. <laughs> it's true. It's not like the, the HeLa cells. No, no, can't self-replicate without uh, a host doggy. Um... But yeah, I mean, it it is alive in that it does reproduce, but it is entirely made up of dog DNA. And really, this also got me thinking about the fact that like, I mean, the reason cancer in humans is not considered its own organism is because you wouldn't consider your own cells their own unique animal, right? Sure. Because they're just cells that are within you. But... 
yeah, I mean, if my cells could go and exist in other people, which, uh, is that what HeLa cells are? I mean, I don't think, HeLa cells aren't, they're just, they're not injected into people normally, unless that's part of the study, I guess. This is a, a strain of, uh, it was a tumor for, taken from a woman named Henrietta Lacks. Uh, it turns out that's why they called it HeLa. Nobody knew, nobody knew that for a long time until the Henrietta, Henrietta Lacks story came out. Uh, but they just discovered that unlike any other samples taken from a human, uh, these cells could live in uh, in the lab and reproduce on their own. And you can use them to do studies on human cells. And people have been like long after, like they never, they never told her uh, when her family found out about it, they freaked out because they were like, they're experimenting on my, she's still alive and they're experimenting on her. And then when they found out that it's just her cells, they're like, can, is she in heaven? Is she allowed? Is she allowed into heaven since she's not dead yet? Uh, this is major philosophical shit they're going through. Yeah. I think it would be fair to, if I'm not misunderstanding this completely, I think it would be fair to say that that circumstance is pretty much the same thing as the single cell dog, right? Very similar, yes. It's a, it's a cancer that is able to self, it's a cell, a cancer cell that is from a particular set of DNA that is able to self-replicate without being in the body, in the source body. Yeah, yes. But well, notably, it is not transmitted venereally. Okay, yeah, I guess the main difference is that, that this one, the dog one, 20,000 years ago, D- just started jumping to other dogs right and has remained in dogs to this day yeah so that's the other yeah i guess that's the other weird thing about it is that this this dog is you know just it's such an old dog but it's still here yeah i, I was, <laughs> was wondering whether one could take the cancer dna and try to like clone it yeah. or something pull a jurassic park on it and like get the dog back <laughs> they also implied in the show too though that it hasn't actually stopped evolving right um so it you know the cancer cell that continues to persist for example can now infect not just dogs but also other canines like coyotes and things and so it it has certainly changed significantly over the last you know twenty thousand years or whatever so what would you even get this is this is gonna be i mean to get the dog back you would need to repair all the the radiation damage. Yeah. You need to fix all that stuff. Um, and probably the way you do it is by patching, like, unless you found out some way to do, like, con- you do content-aware fill with other dog's DNA or something like that. Yeah. And you'd get something that looks like a dog and you'd be like, yeah, I did it. Yeah, that's fair. But would you? Because the evolution that it's been going through for the last 20,000 years is evolution designed to be a single-celled organism yeah it's it's gonna be super different right so would the dog that you get actually have anything in common with the source dog that's an excellent question i don't know i would imagine that you you would get a dog that is unlike existing dogs but there's no way to be sure that it is like the dog from twenty thousand years ago right because i mean if you took that dog from twenty thousand years ago and instead you just completely changed its environment say like say we're not even talking about the single cell you just have that same dog but now it has to like you know deal with living in a swampy environment it is going to change over time from evolution to get better at dealing with that environment this is just a extreme version of it where the environment change is being one cell living in another entity's body (laughs) like it's the most extreme environmental change that one could think of for evolution to have an effect on you don't usually change your evolutionary niche from like macroorganism to microorganism except that like cancer happens all the time like that's uh apparently cells that make up the macroorganisms can go rogue at any time and just be like i'm just i'm just going on my own now yeah yeah the first time i learned that like all of like pretty much everyone has cancer in the sense that we all develop cancer cells all the time. The only difference between quote unquote having cancer or not having cancer is how well your immune system is dealing with it. Yeah. So if your immune system gets rid of it, then you don't have cancer, the, the illness. And if it fails to, then you do. But what's actually happening is 
subsets of your body are trying to evolve and either your body is stopping this evolution or not being able to stop it. And one results in the death of the larger organism, but does allow for the proliferation of this single-celled organism on a scale that is, you know, for for its whatever... I don't know. I started getting yeah. really weird and thinking about whether it was ethical for <laughs> me to for me to like kill cancer cells in my body and then I was like, no, this is I Yeah, can't. no, we we kill microorganisms all the time, both on purpose and not. Like if you start having an ethical problem with that, you're just fucked. So better off not doing that. Not even an ethical problem, just like I think my mind had had kind of slotted into that track of like evolution is this one way street of like things evolve into a quote unquote better and better form. Oh, sure. And this was a good example of like, sometimes when things evolve, it's not great. And, uh, and you know, <laughs> other things will fight back. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's just a very interesting way to look at what yeah. even is a dog, what even is an, an organism. Yeah. If only the cancer was smart enough to to hold back long so so that the uh the person with the cancer could live for as long as possible so then the cancer could then like live and then grow as much as possible as well and then it could be even more successful. Well, I remember thinking about how cancer would work in uh say a superhero whose power is that they can instantly heal mm -hmm. right yeah and i always thought like man if they get a cancer cell and and their body decides to heal it they'll just become a never-ending yeah it'd be like a matter antimatter explosion exactly like they would just continue to grow permanently maybe which that's is weird. yeah maybe that's what happened to tetsuo oh yeah, yeah. could be i guess well that. Uh, then I was going to get into whether they would have enough nutrients to keep growing. And then I'm like, but they're already a superhero that can, yeah. it doesn't matter. Are you ready for another topic? Yeah, probably get at, better to get oh, out of this existential loop. <laughs> uh, my topic is Joe Hart still hasn't cleared out the vampire dens. Joe Hart still hasn't cleared out the vampire dens? I can't believe this guy. <laughs> Shannon, you've seen this media, this this political ad, but Alex, you you have not. Is that right? I have looked at it now okay i was hoping to get your reaction live on the show i mean i'm i still don't i don't know what this is and why it's happening to me uh okay so i'm gonna read describe this yeah. describe this is a political ad i think from arizona alex should describe it okay alex you describe it all right so there's there's a very sad extremely stereotypical child on it who looks like maybe maybe just a year or two no maybe like really small maybe like two one or two years old yeah on the verge of tears big sad blue eyes and there's a quote at the top of this ad that says why can't i play in the abandoned copper mine mommy and then in big blocky red scary text because joe hart didn't clear out the vampire dens Vote Ian Kobe, mine inspector, right in candidate. Yeah, I haven't done a lot of verification on this, but to the best of my knowledge, this is a real political ad. Punchline here, uh, or the explanation is that this refers to vampire bats. This is what I heard as well. It What it still doesn't explain to me is why this two-year-old would love to be playing in the vampire bat infested abandoned copper mine. Oh, this two-year-old would love to play... In a copper mine, the <laughs> the the weird thing is that the people who made this ad th seem to think it's a good idea. Yeah, that's what I can't get over. It wasn't the vampire dens. It was the fact that if Joe Hart had cleared out the vampire dens, it would still be a great idea for your small child to play in an abandoned copper mine. Yeah, that's that's something. Yeah, but still, yeah. Still, campaign promises mean something. And if Joe Hart promised to clear off the vampire dens, then Joe Hart needs to stick to his guns. Where is this an ad from? I'm I'm trying to figure that out right now. There were vampires, you know, in New England. 
Yeah, in the copper mines? Well, I don't know if they were in copper mines, but um, there were actually some vampires in the 17 and 1800s in New England. Uh, I think like 1830s or so, because there were just vampires running around then and... Apparently people were like concerned about this and the way they would deal with that was to dig up people's bodies and cut them up and rearrange them and then rebury them so that the vampire couldn't walk. Uh. This was an actual thing. I'm not making this up. Okay. Did so it work? maybe Joe Hart has more of a job than you think. Maybe he was supposed to be working on some of these vampires i found an article here from the chicago sun times uh arizona state mine inspector is elected every four years and is charged with enforcing the state's mining laws and investigating accidents this year joe hart is running for the position unopposed one write-in candidate is looking to shake up the race by shedding some light on a growing concern hart has thus far ignored vampires enter ian Kobe. A very serious candidate who's looking to fight the growing vampire populations that inhabit Arizona's mines. The mines must be cleansed of dens. There's no comfort room for compromise here. No Arizona mine Draculas, Kobe <laughs> explained without being prompted by the Arizona Central <laughs> Voters Guide. Uh, and then the article like turns into a bunch of JavaScript. So I think there was a glitch in some database somewhere. Man, well, as far as I know, there were never vampires... In Arizona, only in Massachusetts, so... Yeah. Yeah, they might actually be talking about vampire bats, I guess. I like the way he was unprompted, specifically called out as being unprompted. He went on this <laughs> topic about no compromise. We had to get rid of these freaking Draculas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think this is one of those political positions where if you see mine inspector as an election option on your ballot... You go, probably whoever we currently have is fine. (laughs) So if you do want to be considered at all, you need people to know your name. Yep, yep. Now, the problem with this ad is that the name I remembered was Joe Hart. Yeah. Defending our vampires. (laughs) And so I don't think it would actually have worked as as a campaign poster for me just because I would have still seen mine inspector and been like oh yeah joe hart wasn't that the funny vampire meme (laughs) that guy seems cool yeah and i'm part of the problem because the topic has joe hart's name in it but not ian kobe yeah yeah ian kobe was out there trying to trying to do numbers and i wonder if that worked out for him before we move on from this i want to bring up like you're right most people they know exactly who they're going to vote for in like the the like the national elections but they give progressively less of a shit for the local elections. And the reason that's backwards is that the local elections are the ones where they can actually make a difference. Mm. I agree. I, I think you should care a lot and, and, and it also directly affect you. And, and I, I think it makes a lot more sense to care much more about local elections than it does to care about the national election. Yeah. It could be the difference between blood-sucking vampires as your neighbors or a beautiful playground abandoned copper mine for your children and that's change that you can really make that's right well if you're if you're in arizona right i think the vampires are the real heroes here keeping the children out of the abandoned copper mine (laughs) (laughs) oh man this kid this kid looks so delicious how much how much blood do you think is in that child those rosy cheeks are just plump with blood so much blood engorged yeah yeah (laughs) i mean i have to know if joe hart is did you look this up is it true that he hasn't actually all right let's see like one thing i haven't looked at that keeps coming up in these searches is joe hart does have a wikipedia page right oh wait this is about a football player oh Oh, no wait 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 no No, we've got the politician too. Okay, this is two separate pages. There is something here about he was arrested on suspicion of domestic violence. Uh-oh. Is that the same guy? Uh, he's the eleventh mine inspector of Arizona. So oh, probably, unless there's like a Joe Hart Jr. Who's the other guy? John Kobe. Ian Kobe. 
Ian Kobe. See, I can't even remember his name for two seconds. Yeah, this thing is like three paragraphs long, and there's nothing here about vampire dens. Hmm. Apparently, Ian Kobe did not win the election. But then did... Oh, wait, so Ian Kobe didn't win, so he didn't even have a chance. Man, like, either way, I end up with articles about Kobe Bryant or <laughs> the or Joe Hart. The, you know, they're both sportsmen's. I'm not getting what I want, Google. Yeah. You're fucking me. This just makes me want to take out completely unhinged political ads in local elections. Because this, this was a write-in candidate, a.k.a. just some guy. Yeah. Like, that could be me. Yep. You just have to come up with a catchy enough thing. And this one, I mean, this one, when I first saw it, I assumed it was fake. And then I heard that it was real, and I assumed it was a joke. It Honestly, it still might be. Ian Kobe could be doing a bit. Yes, but it, it but it was a joke based in some degree of truth, at least. Yeah, that that was deliberately misinterpreted. But I still wish it had been about actual vampire burials and vampire dens. It just wasn't. It's about I mean, vampire bats are pretty bad. Are they? Aren't they? What's so bad about them? They drink your blood. Do they actually do that? I'm pretty sure they bite a big hole in you and then literally lick the blood out that is pretty bad actually <laughs> i mean i think they mostly do it to like cattle and horses but i think they spread a lot of disease yeah don't that they? seems like a really good way to spread terrible diseases yeah like i mean i don't get me wrong i don't want to slander bats here most bats are fantastic and we should be nicer to them still don't pick them up if you find them on the ground or whatever but i'm pro bat but vampire bats seems like a good way to spread disease. Now I'm looking at vampire bats, not not the vampire bats themselves, but results about vampire bats. And when reading about like locations that vampire bats are found, Arizona is not on the list. So it may actually be that Ian Kobe is really just worried about vampires. Okay. Wait, so was the vampire bats just a cover? Like the first when I first encountered this uh political ad it had attached to it a conversation about how, like, I was really weirded out until I realized vampire bats are a thing. And so I just interpreted that as being, like, what the ad was actually about. Uh, and and given how little we know about this, it might still be. So it says three, the three species of vampire bats are native to the Americas, ranging from Mexico to Brazil, Chile, Uruguay, and Argentina. Arizona is not on the list. I'm just I'm reading an article now about uh specifically the the article is called Bats Thrive in Arizona's Abandoned Mines written <laughs> in 2018 uh and it is talking about the apparently many different species of bats Ooh. none of the ones listed so far have been vampire bats yeah beautiful but many different species of bats thrive in Arizona's abandoned mines yeah and this article is saying that the absence of abandoned mine habitats would cause an absolute bat population crash, which would be devastating to the local environment. So in fact, it would seem that these abandoned mines are actually serving as habitat for a bunch of native bat species that have been pushed out of other habitats because of too much human encroachment. Yeah. And that these bats are actually quite good for everything. Yeah. So now I'm pretty anti in Kobe here trying to clear out these great Yeah, they, bats. that's that's all they have left. There are apparently 28 bat species that live in the Arizona mines. All right. We I found here an answer on Quora, which is all we need. The the the, the last word on bats in Arizona. Are mm. there vampires in Arizona? The answer, there are vampire bats and chupacabras in Arizona but I've never heard of human vampires. Okay. All right. Parts of the Chihuahuan Desert cross over from northern Mexico into southeastern Arizona. Uh, Chupacabra translates from Spanish literally as goat sucker, uh, yada, yada, yada. There may be some people in Arizona who follow the vampire lifestyle, but they stay secretive, and I've never heard of any newspaper stories. So now we know. That really covered it. I like that person-first language. That people who follow a vampire lifestyle. Yes. That's right. Don't they don't call? Yeah, it's no. Rude to call them vampires. It's persons who follow a vampire. They're, lifestyle. 
style. They're currently experiencing vampirism. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. right. Don't be rude. Are we ready for another topic? Yeah. Sure. For this topic, we're going to read this poem. Does this poem have a name? I don't think it does. Okay. It's by Too Quirky to Lose. Or it might be by Can't Have Shit Shitting Gotham. <laughs> I believe it is. Yes, it is not by Too Quirky to Lose. It is by Can't Have Shit in Gotham. Okay. Can't Have Shit in Gotham. Okay. Uh, Can't Have Shit in Gotham is a, the Tumblr, the name of this Tumblr user who made the following two posts, which I will now read. I hate it when I can't even write a poem about something because it's too obvious. Like in the Airbnb I was at, I guess it used to be a kid's room because you could see the imprint of one little glow in the dark star that had been missed and painted over in Landlord White. Like, that's a poem already. What's the point? You get it. You get the themes. I don't have to do it justice. Just look at it. It's on the ceiling. Yeah, uh, I like this a lot. I note that it doesn't have any line breaks in it. So I believe that this user did not actually intend this to be a poem itself. Right. They were actually legitimately complaining yeah. about not being able to write a poem. This is a this. poem you discovered. Uh, well, not just me, because I have also seen an extended... Multi I mean, the way Tumblr works is that people can add on to things, and there's many different iterations of an original post. But I have seen multiple versions in which another user has come along in response, and all they have done is added their own line breaks <laughs> to the these two texts. And I've seen multiple iterations of ways people have added the line breaks. But all of those responses, I think, are basically just the person saying, you did write a poem. This is beautiful. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It has a double layer of the poem itself, if you take it on its face as a poem, is very good, especially just... I think the lines that really stand out to me are, I guess it used to be a kid's room because you could see the imprint of one little glow-in-the-dark star that had been missed and painted over in Landlord White. Especially like the words Landlord White as a description. No, that's good. And yeah. then also just that ending line of just look at it, it's on the ceiling. Yeah. Both of those lines just give me shivers. They evoke a feeling. Which is what poems do. Right. And this poem successfully does what a lot of poems do, but this poem claims that is like outside of the purview of poems, which is to take a situation you have observed and to put it in writing so you can share it with people. Yeah. But put it in writing in a way that is... I mean, they didn't have to say... They didn't have to call it Landlord White. No. Like, that means something. And then there is so like the the that line in and of itself could be a poem about the little glow in the dark star getting painted over and becoming an Airbnb and everything that has to that goes along with the themes behind that. But that's not what the poem about is about. The poem is also about how how poignant that image was, that it was so poignant that you couldn't even write a poem about it because it was just Basically, that it was already a poem seeing the star there. Yeah. And I think that's incredible. Um, and I and I wonder the extent to which this person realized that there that these two posts would be treated as a poem. Like I wonder the extent to which this was a legitimate complaint versus them making something really cool here, because the feeling that they were trying to evoke in you is the sight of this little star painted over in Landlord White was so like deep and poignant and full of meaning to me just seeing it that I felt like I couldn't even write about it. And then somehow they still managed to do exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just so cool. Yeah. Yeah, they did it. And it's not clear whether they're aware that they did it. And then with respect to the line breaks too, like I said, I've seen many different iterations of the line breaks. You know, I feel like you could read it many, many different ways. It feels like reading something for a play, right? Where it's a monologue that you could read in a lot of different ways. And and line breaks sort of help with that, help guide you in how the poet, I guess, it anticipates that you will read the poem. Yeah. But 
I think it's also kind of cool that the original does not have line breaks because it allows you to break it up in a lot of different ways and put emphasis in a lot of different places. So you can read it many different times and get a different sense out of it. This is written in a very um, naturalistic style, meaning it reads like the way people talk, which is not the same thing as the way people are taught to write or that how like prose in journalism or in fiction or just professional writing flows. The way the sentences flow together, it, it sounds like someone talking. And I think that that also lends itself to like the feeling of being intended for being perf- for performance on a stage. It feels very performable. One other thing, though, too, I do want to point out for the listeners who aren't looking at it is that uh, I may have mentioned that this is two individual posts. It is not actually one post. I read it through as though it were one post, but notably the break is they talk about the star being painted over in Landmark White. Then they say, like, that's a poem already. What's the point? End post. And then the next follow-up post is the one that says, you get it, you get the themes. I don't have time to do to do it justice. Just look at it. It's on the ceiling. So uh, something about the fact that it's two separate posts. Yeah, it's it's like a an extra paragraph break. It, yeah, but it also sort of invokes that they like, because it's, I don't know, because it's Tumblr, like whenever I see things like that, where somebody then comes back and adds something on to their own thing in a follow-up post, it gives me this sense that they've really been thinking about it. Like they can't get it out of their head and they, I, I just got to go in there and add this one more thing to like get my point across. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that, that sort of, um, I think also something that you wouldn't hear by me saying it is this sense that, I mean, I don't know if there's timestamps on these or not. I, I guess there probably are, but this vibe that the person has can't stop thinking about this little star on the ceiling and has to come back and and is still frustrated by the fact that it is just so obvious in its in its poetry that they had to come back and do a new post. Yeah. Yeah. I like that the temp the medium includes this temporal component where you can you have timestamps and shit. That's cool. Like I'm imagining it almost as like somebody sending you a text and then um following up i'm gonna look at the timestamps. so the first one was i i think july 5th 2022 at 10 35 p.m and then the follow-up one was come on huh 10 36 p.m only a minute later are you so are you sure that's not uh the time of the reblog that i i don't actually know that yeah if i'm understanding tumblr right i think they were actually posted only a minute apart yeah so but it, there's still that sense of it evoked that feeling in you and that's the important part yeah this is this is like uh when someone sends you a text and you look at it and then you put your phone down and they immediately send you the the next clause in the sentence is a separate text yes <laughs> yeah because it's its own thing yeah i don't know that's what they keep telling me and i'm like please stop doing this you make my phone buzz every time yeah yeah I had to teach my mom how to silence chats from me because <laughs> she thought that every time I sent her an individual text that that required a full response written as though it were a formal letter to your, you know, long lost cousin right. in the 1800s. I hope this text missive finds you well. Basically. Uh, are we ready for another topic? Sure. Did you have any of those little stars? I did. Winston has them on his ceiling right now. Oh, that makes me so happy. That's good. I, I, I was wondering just for a second whether those stars were a um a particularly generational thing. I don't know if that's true or not, but I like I wanted to put them on a ceiling because I I liked the idea. So Yeah. I had some glow in the dark stars and then later I got glow in the dark eyeballs. <laughs> A bunch of glow-in-the-dark creepy that. eyeballs on my closet. I floor. hated that. <laughs> now I have, I'm looking up when they were invented. Yeah. Because I have to know. Patent was well-known. Glow-in-the-dark in general, patent was 1977. Okay, well, there's somewhat of a generational component thing, so don't go back that far. I think it it felt generational to me because I think that it didn't really start 
being an easily to obtain thing until the 90s yeah, probably when we happened to be kids and of course they were awesome but it makes me really happy to know that i mean i guess it makes sense that the parents of kids would also be like oh you're gonna love these glow in the dark stars <laughs> but right right it still makes me happy uh alex your topic is national butterscotch pudding day oh yeah totally if you're listening to this on uh september 19th i have great news for you it's national butterscotch pudding day go get you some and go celebrate oh my gosh we got to get ready that's only two days away so soon this was recorded two days before it was posted <laughs> two days until national butterscotch pudding day yeah wow that, yeah. that means tomorrow is national butterscotch pudding day eve oh man the stores <laughs> are gonna be sold out we need to get our pudding and put it under the pudding tree for <laughs> uh father pudding <laughs> I, don't know. I thought you were gonna say put it under the ground for some reason we can make up our own rules that's how you grow the pudding tree obviously oh you i'm plant sorry the pudding. right it makes sense and then father worthers comes along and eats the pudding because his teeth are are gone and he so, can't uh, have yeah. Werther's anymore. Yeah, you couldn't have Werther's Originals. Now he has to have Werther's Compromise. He has, <laughs> he has Werther's Originals in place of his teeth. Oh, oh Lord, that sounds terrible. He has to replace them every hour. Because <laughs> <laughs> he just licks them away. Keeps manufacturing the saliva. So, butterscotch as a flavor. Yeah. It's, I really it's, like it. It's good. But it's, I don't like butterscotch pudding. Ah. Not the day for you, then. So you like butter and scotch, but oh, yeah. not when you mix in, like, a, a dairy. No. See, Jim, this is the same mistake you had with buttermilk. Just because <laughs> it sounds good doesn't mean it is good. So you take butter and you remove the scotch from it? <laughs> so you, no, you, you take the scotch and you remove the butter from it. My bad. Mm. All I'm saying is I like almost anything that is butterscotch flavored. Except the pudding, and I honestly don't know why. Hmm. There's, it just, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I love butterscotch ice cream. Oh man, if you're in the Bay Area, Tin Pots butterscotch mm -hmm. ice cream yeah, is like, oof, yeah, man, probably my favorite ice cream. Very good. Try yeah. it. Werther's Originals, also love them. Had them a bunch in Thailand for some reason, so they still make me think of Thailand. I don't know. It, the pudding. It just doesn't work. Have you ever had butterscotch? What is even butterscotch? I don't know. But everything is butterscotch flavored, so what is butterscotch like? Butterscotch is similar to toffee, but the sugar is boiled to the soft crack stage, not the hard crack as with toffee. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. So it's somewhere like north of caramel, but south of toffee. Yeah, all right. That checks out. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for butterscotch here, and I found this butterscotch sundae with butterscotch sauce in it. And I'm like, oh my god, I haven't had butterscotch sauce in ages. Mm. I don't think I've ever had, I don't know that I've ever had butterscotch. Well, I must have. Sounds good. I don't know if I've had it either, but it, I would. But it seems like it's it's mostly brown sugar and butter, but also corn syrup, cream, vanilla, and salt. Okay, so this is weirding me out. Look, when I grew up, one of my mom's favorite desserts that she would make on a very rare basis was uh sticky buns which was basically we took those like uh those terrifying pillsbury doughboy like tins where you had to bang them on the counter and then they'd explode and then you somehow <laughs> got you know red sticks out of that or whatever so we'd, we'd get the one that's just supposed to be plain brick sticks and then you'd open it up and then you'd sprinkle cinnamon sugar all over them and roll them up and put them in a pan and then you would pour over the top of it a corn syrup, brown sugar, butter, vanilla mixture. So essentially, I guess, butterscotch. But what you were just describing, you were basically saying what makes it butterscotch is where you boil it to. And as far as I was concerned, this recipe had no quantities of butter or brown sugar or corn syrup or anything it was just put it in until it looks good and yeah. then pour it over these things so now i don't know what i was making if there's a difference between what it is based upon just the ratios and the heating temperature as opposed to the ingredients so butterscotch it says here the primary ingredients are brown sugar and butter 
Uh, yeah. If there, yeah. no, there was no brown sugar and butter in there, it's definitely something else. Right, but but weren't there like three like toffee? What is toffee then? So it's it's candy making, right? Like butterscotch has the same ingredients as pecan pralines or as pecan brittle, I guess. But it's the same thing. You just cook them different amount. This candy making is ridiculous. According to this, toffee is made by caramelizing sugar or molasses along with butter and occasionally flour. So toffee can be the same thing, but the difference is that it's heated to the hard crack stage as opposed to... Do you know what that means, hard crack versus soft crack? I do. Alex does because of the pralines. Like the only the only recipe that I know of that we have made where this mattered was, was pralines because it actually matters pralines, pralines. That it, it matters a lot what the texture is to your teeth, whereas with this sticky bun one I was just talking about, every single time it was a different degree of hardness when it cooled. And our way of getting around this was to always microwave the shit out of them before we ate them, <laughs> because otherwise you might be eating a rock. So, so you were also doing candy making. <laughs> Apparently, we just didn't mean to. So I just found a list of the stages. Oh, yeah. There's, there's thread... Soft ball, firm ball, hard ball, soft crack, hard crack, clear liquid, brown liquid, and burnt sugar. I think prawns were soft ball. Yeah. Tell them how we how you figured out whether they were soft ball. <laughs> yeah. The the way you tell is the reason they're named that is you take a few drops of it while it's on the stove. You drop it into a little cup of water, and if it forms a soft ball, you're there. Mm -hmm. Wow. They're they're basically named after how how at that temperature it interacts with water. Yeah. Which wild. is pretty cool. But yes. also you can just get a thermometer. Well you can now, but But back <laughs> in the day, that was the way you would figure out. And oh, and here's the thing about it too, is once it has hit softball stage, man, you gotta move fast. You gotta have your stuff ready because it goes from softball to hardball in like two seconds. Yeah, according to this, uh it, the difference between softball and hardball is about five degrees centigrade. Yeah. Yeah. Candy making is fussy. You gotta cook things to a temperature. You gotta cool them to another temperature, and then you gotta pour them. Sorry, fiddly. I guess that's what I've been doing when, with making these candied pecans too. Kind of. That's mm -hmm. why they come out differently every single time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, candy making is hard. Yeah. But. I think what it comes down to really is that brown sugar and butter are delicious. Yeah. And I just don't believe that the pudding encapsulates that flavor. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I wonder if you made butterscotch like from scratch and then made it into pudding from scratch? Question mark? However that works. Well, that what? how do you make pudding? Okay. How well, do you make what pudding? pudding? What is pudding? What is pudding? What is Man, we even made Butterscotch Pudding Day an existential crisis. According to this, it's a type of custard. That would be good then. Butterscotch custard. Well, no, you can't say it's a type. Pudding is pudding and custard are different. What is the difference? Well, okay, fair enough. I have a I have a suspicion that if I looked up how to make butterscotch pudding, the answer I would get is put <laughs> go to the butterscotch <laughs> flavoring into vanilla pudding. Yeah, vanilla pudding. <laughs> but Maybe you could put butterscotch sauce into it. I don't know. Oh man, I bet you you could make butterscotch frosting, like butterscotch buttercream frosting. Yeah. Oh, that'd be really good. New cake plan. New cake. Why have we done this? I am like desperate for pralines right now. <laughs> Do you want to end the show right now so you can go eat pralines? Yes. I'd have to go to the store. I don't have the ingredients even. Oh, no. Bag oh, of those. the nuts. No, I want the good shit. I want the homemade ones. What would you need? We've like, got butter. We've got brown sugar. We've got, we've got all the ingredients. Yeah, mostly I don't want to wait. Acceptable. It's a lot of work to make. Oh, man, I want them so bad. Can we go to Tin Pot? <laughs> I'm closed. All right. We, we got to end this. I got to find something. Shannon, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Nowhere. I am ungoogleable. I tested it yesterday. It's true. Wow. You can't find me and you won't find me. And Alex, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Well, I didn't test it, but I'm probably hard to find on the internet. But you can find me on the Topic Lights Discord. There you go. 
Topic Lords Discord, where all the lords, all the lords that are fit to print. <laughs> Thanks so much for being on. Thanks for having us. It's been fun. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!